your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday, November 16th edition of Locked On Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all things Florida Panthers. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. You can follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. You can also follow the national show Locked On NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. So Florida Panther fans, uh, the Florida Panthers, by the time uh, this show drops, it's game day. The Florida Panthers will be taking on the New York Islanders tonight. At 7 p.m. at FLA Live Arena will be an ESPN Plus exclusive slash Hulu. And for this Florida Panthers team, it couldn't be a better time to come back home after the road trip that they had. And here to discuss the state of the Cats and everything in uh, in the future of the Cats as well is from WPLG Local 10 and the Chirping the Cats podcast. It is David Dwork. David, how are you? Mondo, what's up, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. Always great to have you on. And thank you uh, once again. So I, I want to, I, I was able to get Kobe Guy from Florida Hockey Now uh, yesterday. And I, and I asked him a little bit of a question of kind of like a wellness check. And for you, after the Florida Panthers went 0-2-2 on this four-game road trip after the start that they had, as far as a wellness check for uh, David Dork, where are you at when it comes to this team? No, I mean, I'm not really that worried about this team. I, you know, it's a long season. There's going to be bumps in the road. I, I didn't see any glaring issues that, you know, suddenly popped up that you think, oh man, this is going to derail the season. Uh, you know, you saw a team that came out of the gate on fire. They went on their first really extended road trip of the season and they stumbled on the road trip. They, they outplayed a Rangers team that got an exceptional effort from their young goaltender uh, Edor Shesterkin. So, I mean, that was the first game and yeah, you know, that you can kind of see a little bit gripping their sticks a little tightly as I think it was, uh, and maybe Aaron, Aaron Eckblad said after the game the other night. Um, and yeah, just not quite as sharp as they had been. And the devil's game was definitely the stinker of the season. That was, that was a rough one to take in. Um, but again, that, that's going to happen. So, uh, then you wrap up the road trip. What was it? Uh, Boston and Tampa, if, uh, my memory serves. Pittsburgh and Tampa. Pittsburgh and Tampa. Yeah, the, the colors are similar. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but I mean, the Penguins game was another one where you're right there. You're maybe not as sharp as they had been. Like you kind of seen as, as the road trip went on, not quite as sharp going through the neutral zone, not as much puck possession. And, and you really just kind of got that feeling like they were trying to make the perfect play constantly, which is an issue that I think a lot of Panthers fans have had with the team in the offensive zone when thinking about trying to make too many passes and trying to make everything perfect instead of just getting pucks on net, which we've seen a lot more of this season and last season to, to be fair as well. But um, no, I think it's just a matter of getting back to doing what they do, simplifying things, 
Uh, I think getting back home is going to help getting back into that routine, sleeping in your own bed, feeling comfortable at home ice. I mean, Radko Gudis was saying after uh, practice, uh, Monday's practice, today's practice, uh, that they, they just feel comfortable at home. They know all the, the bumps in the, in the ice. They know the boards, they, they love their fans. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be good for them to just kind of hit the reset button. Um, but a big picture, I'm really not worried. This team has got way too much talent. Uh, they've come way too far. They know what they're supposed to do. It's not like they're searching for answers. So uh, I, I do think that they're going to round back into form sooner rather than later. Yeah. And you, um, after you uh, posted that uh, Radko Gudis uh, quote on uh, Twitter, I quote tweeted talking about the record for uh, the Florida Panthers at home. All their losses are road losses this year, 7-0 at home. And the only two games that they've had a one goal differential in, in any of their home games, both of them were overtime games and they were able to prevail both times. Other than that, all their home games have been blowouts, including New York just in the very second game of the season where they won five to one on, on that Saturday uh, on the October 16th. So th- this is a team that is uh, very comfortable at home. I mean, last year we saw it too. Uh, based on the start they had. And these two two seasons, for the last two seasons for the Florida Panthers have been just about uh, fast starts. The difference uh, with this season is 82 games, of course, playing more teams. There's there's more travel. I also consider the travel because last season, you just had your your baseball kind of season series. So I wanna wanna ask you, as far as the, the skid goes, uh, as far as the travel, do you, as far as the mental aspect of things for players, do you, do you think that the, the fact that they traveled a little less last season has a little bit to do with it? I think maybe it was a little easier on the easier on them last year. If anything else, I don't think it's necessarily an issue this year because it's something that these guys have been doing. You know, most of them have been doing it their entire lives. They've been doing it their careers and even the younger guys, they've been, you know, they travel a lot. Uh, you travel in junior, you, you travel, obviously, when you get up to, to the pro level. Um, there may be an adjustment. I, I really don't think that it really would contribute to, to the streak, you know, to the struggles that they had. Uh, I think, you know, it may be a combination of playing teams. When you play a team on the road and you're at, you're at someone else's home ice, that can be tough. But in terms of what I thought you were asking was about the travel, the physical traveling around the way that they are this year compared to last year, when you go to one city, you stay there for a couple of days and then maybe you go back home or maybe you go, you know, there was only one or two hotels as, as opposed to like last week when they stayed in, I think maybe four hotels, you know, four different flights. So th- there's those subtle differences. Um, but, but again, I don't think that's really as big of a deal as maybe going out for extended trips, going out for, you know, a week or more. Uh, switching time zones, which they didn't have to do last season, which they're going to have to do coming up this year. Um, there, there are different obstacles, but I, I think if you asked any player to a man, they would say like, look, they're still taking the ice. The ice is still, you know, 85 by 230, whatever the size is. Um, and and they're still playing hockey. So I, I don't think that it would be a big deal, the travel. And again, with this team, there's so much veteran leadership at this point that you wouldn't expect the little things to creep up and bother them. Uh, you know, when you ask about mentally, if it's affecting them, I, I don't think so. I think there's more when you talk about the veteran guys you're talking about the Patrick Hornquist and the Gudis and the Joe Thornton, who uh, a lot of the players are just raving about this year is a great guy behind the scenes. Uh, I, I think that 
kind of aspect of the veteran leadership gets them through any any of these kind of obstacles that might be an issue for some teams. I don't think this team. Uh, fair enough. And uh, Joe Thornton, great, great for him is that he's uh, back on the ice, not activated off IR uh, as of this recording. But um, great to have a, a presence like him back, regardless of whether he's dressing or not for games, definitely uh, that added factor there. And they're in a comfortable place where they'll be at home for over a week. So yeah, this going to be a better situation after the road trip that they just had. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Thornton suit up at some point on this homestand. He's been staying with the team since last week. Uh, he he was, looked fine in practice today, partic- you know, full participant. Uh, I think they're they're not rushing anything, and they really have no reason to. I think Thornton, you know, I would expect him to play like maybe 40, 50 game range. Uh, keep him as fresh as possible, so that way when the playoffs roll around, you can put him out there for you know every game if you need to. But to to your point, I think uh, his value may be equally as important off the ice as what he'll contribute on the ice, just because of the great guy he is the leader he is, he's been around the block and he's also somebody who's been through just about everything. And I say just about because there's one thing he's yet to do in his career. That's why he came to this team and that's to win a Stanley cup. So uh, I think in terms of helping the team, uh, going back to what you said before about in that mental aspect, he's as good as anybody that's going to help keep these guys focused and uh, and on course. Absolutely. And grateful to have a guy like Joe Thornton definitely on, on, on this team for sure. So we're going to transition into the next segment where we're going to talk a little bit about something that you're very familiar with. We're going to talk a little bit about goalie talk, your favorite Ah, for sure. In the next, my ears perked up. Yep. (laughs) So keep it right here on the lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Your first listen of the day. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch all the games live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I have David Dwork from WPLG Local 10 and the Chirping the Cats podcast. And David, so this has been a strange couple of weeks when it came to um, goalies. Sergey Bobrovsky was out for a whole week after suffering an upper body injury. Spencer Knight plays for a full week. Something that I talked about on the show is that Spencer Knight is a young goaltender. He's going through his lumps. Uh, and Bill, I talked about how Bill Lindsay tweeted about Carter Hart, how he's improved this season after the season that he had um, last year, how he's bounced back. And Sergey Bobrovsky is inserted uh, for, uh, he was also announced as the starter for tonight's game against uh, the New York Islanders. Um, talk about, and and since you were, you, you, you're still a goalie since you, uh, since you uh, play here and there, um, 
talk about the mental aspect of a of a young guy like Spencer Knight going through his lumps early on and then probably maybe probably having a maybe a week or more of rest to think about things. Yeah, I mean, what we've seen from Spencer Knight since basically, you know, we've been paying extra attention since he was drafted, but I mean, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to get shaken up by anything. I mean, yeah, he had a rough week. It'll happen. No doubt. Taking your lumps is part of being a young goaltender. Um, I think he got a little taste of having all that weight on his shoulder. And I mean, granted, this is a guy who played in a playoff game last year, two playoff games last year, and looked really good in those games. Um, but he's yet to be the guy in the regular season. And he's he's still not the guy. You know, Sergey Bobrovsky, he was hurt last week, but he's been amazing since the season started. He has been he's been the, the goalie they signed to a 10 million a year contract three years ago. They're finally getting that now. And it's great to see, but for Spencer Knight, it really takes some of the pressure off of him because he doesn't have to be that guy. And you talked about, you know, the Carter Hart comparisons and and what Billy was defending Knight on Twitter about when Carter Hart was put in that situation, he wasn't given the benefit that Knight had as being, you know, a one, a one B situation. Even Carter Hart was saying, okay, kid, we've got a team. You're going to carry us to the playoffs. Go. And he went and he faltered. He he struggled mentally. It affected him on the ice. But, you know, he's a young guy and clearly he's turning it around because he's looking spectacular this season for the Flyers. Um, but with Spencer Knight, I mean, he's so mature and he's so stable. He's so steady. He's very consistent in the way that he plays, his game, his movements. Like I love watching him because you always know what to expect from him. And it's just so natural. Like this is somebody who is basically put together to be a goalie, both mentally and physically. I mean, physically, you watch him on the ice. His movements are so fluid and so natural. Just when he moves side to side, his rebound control, uh, the way that he uses his stick, his stick handling, it's just really impressive. And then when you combine that with that, he's just such a mellow, down-to-earth guy that doesn't get too high or too low. I mean, that's the thing with being a goalie. It's kind of like being a a pitcher in baseball. You really got to keep yourself chill no matter what's happening around you, whether you're giving up a home run or giving up two goals or, you know, you get clocked or whatever. You got to keep your chill and play your game. And Spencer Knight, for a guy who's only 20 years old, he's got that figured out tenfold. So taking what he's got now between his mental capacity and his physical ability and letting that just mature over the course of a season or two, and playing behind a guy like Bob, who, you know, in terms of preparation, nobody is a better prepared goaltender than Sergey Bobrovsky. He puts in so much work off the ice. It's a great person for Spencer Knight to just kind of watch and learn from. And you know, let him go on the ice and do his thing. I think it's a great situation for Knight. And I'm not worried about his struggles. I would expect him to have some struggles. I mean, how many goalies at that age go out and don't have a couple of bumps in the road? I, you know. I mean, yeah, it'd be amazing if he was a super goalie next Patrick Law or whatever, but let's be realistic. He's a great 20-year-old goalie. He's going to have some issues, but he's still steady. So I'm not worried. I'm excited to see how he you know, kind of pulls himself through this and how he handles it because it's all part of the process, right? Just like with the team. They're a great team, and they're going through a little struggle right now. They're probably going to learn some lessons here, and it's going to help them later on in the season when they go through more adversity. I would expect the same situation to be in play with Spencer Knight. He's going to go on and hopefully learn from what's happened this week, whatever he may need to work on in his head and in his game and, and get better from it. So, no, I'm, I'm just excited to kind of see the process play out. Mm-hmm. And, and you you use that word at the end of your uh, statement um, process when it comes to um, and goalie. This this is a 
this is a cliche statement, of course, uh, but the, it's, it takes time to develop goalies. I mean, look at Florida, former Florida Panther, Jacob Markstrom right now, he's having an outstanding season in Calgary um, and I'm great, happy for him about what, how he's playing over up, up there in Alberta, but talk about, let's talk about the bounce back of Bob because this, the first two seasons for Bob has been really underwhelming. Um, of course, the team around him, the defense wasn't the best around him. There were a lot of uh, high high danger scoring chances more often than there are now. We can um, That's something that is a valid argument. But about his individual play, not letting in those uh, those easy goals, uh, it, for, for lack of a better term. Um, what what do you see differently that Bob is doing versus years past? I, what I've noticed, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit this year is uh, I feel like he's challenging a bit more. He's using his size as opposed to relying on his reflexes. We'd see him a lot more in past few, at least in his time with the Panthers uh, playing a little deeper in the net, maybe relying a little bit more on his reflexes instead of just using his six foot two frame, which, you know, maybe it's not big when you think in terms of like Andre Vasilevsky or somebody who's six, six, but 6'2 is still big. 6'2 is still a good-sized goalie. Um, you get out in the top of your crease, which you've seen him a lot more, and you're gonna pucks are going to hit you. And, and you see a lot more of the saves he's making. Uh, his skate blades are at the top of his crease. He's out there making the stops. His rebound control is much better because he's able to control the shot. He's on top of things as opposed to letting it hit him or reacting late. Um, and, and, and as you said, the high-danger chances have gone down a bit as well, and I think that's a testament to the Panthers learning their defensive systems and really getting more in tune with what they're supposed to be doing and where they're supposed to be positioned in the defensive zone. That's been a big attribute to the team this year is how well they've cleaned up the high danger area. When you talk about between the two face-off circles down the middle of the ice there, um, they've been really good at clearing, clearing the garbage out of that. Um, but I mean, with Sergey Bobrovsky, I think uh, it's just, he simplified things. I think he's trying not to do as much and letting his game, letting his technique, letting his stance do more. And a big thing, which you mentioned, which I think is a huge, huge element across the board, is the fact that he's not giving up those cheap goals. He's not giving up those squeakers that gets through an arm in the body or goes through the five hole. Like the five hole is five hole has been closed this year. It's been you know wide open his first couple of years is not an issue. Um, and he's really tightened all that up. It's not so much the goal as much as like a, a cheap goal is going to demoralize your team a bit because they're working their asses off. They're doing everything right. And then the goalie, you know, gives up one that probably shouldn't go in. And, and you know, nobody's ever going to admit to it, but those will take the air out of a team. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's happened to me. I see how the team reacts. You know, it's tough. Um, so just so many things that uh, maybe we didn't expect based on his first couple of years, but it's certainly the stars of a line for Sergey Bobrovsky. Uh, he looked fine coming back from his injury in, in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, he's playing you know, tonight as we listen to this against the Islanders and, um, it should be exciting. I mean, it's shaping up like it's going to be a Bobrovsky versus Sorokin in goal because uh, pretty sure Varlamov is playing to or played last night when Tampa. The timing's messing me up uh, when they played in Tampa. So it should be a great game and a great goalie matchup. And I'm, I'm just kind of like what I said with Spencer Knight. I'm excited to see how Bob carries it because he started the season amazing. Um, if this is just a sign of things to come and this is the Bob that they're going to get through the year into the playoffs, uh, when you have a goalie playing that well, in the postseason, that's when magic can happen. And with this team, with this roster, it's very exciting to think about. Mm -hmm. And as we speak, as of this recording right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning are beating the New York Islanders uh, two to one. 
and Barlamov is uh, starting for uh, the New York Islanders right now in uh, Tampa. And I've 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 one uh, question, one other question for you before we transition to the third segment. That Ekblad opportunity in overtime against Vasilevsky. What could he have done differently, or was it just Vasilevsky being Vasilevsky? I mean, usually in a situation like that where it's uh, you get the goalie moving side to side and you get the the pass connects to the guy back door. Usually the goalie makes that save when the player fails to get the puck off the ice, when it's a low shot and he gets it into his pad. Ekblad didn't do that. Ekblad got it off the ice. The save was with Vasilevsky's arm. Could Ekblad have put a perfect shot in the elbow of the net? Yeah, that would have worked. That is really hard to do at full speed in overtime in that situation. Uh, I thought Ekblad did everything right. He got the puck off the ice. He shot it up. He basically one-timed it. Uh, it's just a ridiculous, awesome save. And like when I saw the replay and I saw that it wasn't one of those situations where the guy maybe shot it back into the middle of the ice and it hits the goalie in the upper pad or when it's just too low of a shot. No, Ekblad got it up and it was just a ridiculous save. And you can't really get mad at that. I mean, obviously we're, we're hoping the Panthers pull out the win, but I, it's like, you know, when it, what are you going to do? He's like the best goalie in the world. And he makes this ridiculous save. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, it, it's fun. We're privileged to get to watch it. Yeah. And one thing I learned actually the other day is um, the most recent uh, episode of 32 thoughts um, was they had a two part goalie uh, episode that they had. I listened in the, in part one, they talked about Vasilevsky actually catching with his unnatural hand because he grew up uh Grew up, when he grew up in Russia, the the equipment that he had. So, uh, talk about um, talk a little bit about when when you're catching uh, with your non natural hand versus what you would usually do. How how much of a difference that is that does positionally and with uh, stick handling. Well, that's the thing, and um, like a former Panthers goaltender is actually the one who turned me on to that concept, uh, Mike McKenna, um, because he his thought process is you should teach a goalie from the start to catch with their offhand. Cause for if just real quick for those listening to, if you don't like, you know how, like when you're playing baseball, you're going to catch with your, let's say you're a right-handed person. You're going to catch with your left hand. Cause you're going to throw with your right hand. So in hockey, if you're a right-handed goalie, that means you're going to catch with your left hand and hold the stick with your right hand. Except when you go to shoot the puck like that, you're shooting as a lefty because your glove hand is now the bottom hand holding the middle of the stick. The, that's how you can tell, you know, when you're watching hockey, that's an easy way to tell if a person's righty or lefty, just see which hand is lower. That's the hand they're shooting with. So the, the idea for a young goaltender is get them catching with their unnatural hand. So that way, when they're shooting the puck, it's much more natural process because puck handling for a goaltender is super hard. Uh, Vasilevsky, I think it, it just was more for, in his situation, uh, a product of what he had available to him and obviously learning that. And as good as he's been, you don't want to stray from what you've learned. Um, but it is something that I think is becoming more and more popular with, uh, younger goaltenders. And I, maybe I guess with their parents kind of getting them into the game or, you know, coaches perhaps as well, but yeah, it's an interesting thought because I mean, just for me personally, stick handling was probably the worst element of my game. Uh, like I, it was, I had to learn how to shoot left-handed with goalie gear on when I was just learning how to, you know, skate and play in the first place. And it, it, it's incredibly hard. Um, and credit to you know, like, you look at like a goalie, like Spencer Knight, who's an excellent stick handler. Um, it's difficult, man. So I, there's definitely some logic behind it. Uh, 
I imagine it would be a little, I mean, you know, here I am, I'm 38 years old, so I, it'd be difficult for me to learn, but I mean, to, to, you know, if you're just think about it, if you play baseball or whatever, you're used to catching with one hand and throwing with the other, imagine switching that up. Uh, it's hard. So, uh, it's an interesting thought that these young goalies are now going that route and it'll be cool to see if it's something, a trend that really becomes more mainstream. Uh, but there's definitely something to it. No doubt. And I'm, and I'm a lefty. So, um, so when I played baseball, I, I, my glove hand was my right, uh, when I played. So if I were to, if I were to put, uh, hockey, um, goalie pads on, I, I have it on my, yes, I have it on my left because I would stick candle. Right. Am I, am I right on that? If you're, if you're a goal, if you're a left-handed goaltender, you're going to be catching with your right hand with my right. Okay. Just like baseball. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, you're going to catch. That's the, that's the point. You're going to be catching with the same hand. So you're, when you puck handle, I mean, when you're, when you're playing baseball, do you hit as a lefty as well? Yes, I do. Do you like, do you play golf? Yes, I do. As a lefty? Yes. Yeah, so, so my, 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 my uh, right would be at the, the, at the bottom. So yeah, that makes so, sense. Okay. So yeah. So when you go to play goalie and you start to stick handle, you'll be stick handling like a right-handed hitter, like a right-handed shooter. And it's kind of backwards. And that's okay. part of the, you know, the, difficulty of being a goaltender uh is you know in addition to playing the position it's also you have to teach yourself how to shoot in a way that you've probably not been shooting your whole life like when i was growing up and i was playing goalie and i'd also skate out i was always shooting righty i'd hit righty in baseball i played golf as a righty but now you know after you know maybe 20 years of goaltending or you know more than that jesus um you know i can i've been a i can shoot it lefty i could probably shoot it from the goal to the other net could I do it before somebody catches up to the puck? No, probably not. I'm never going to be able to score an empty net goal in my life. I, I understand that, <laughs> but um, it's, it's tough, man. I, I, I like your question about it. Cause you got me thinking about the goalie stuff, but mm-hmm. um, no, it, it's an interesting thing because I think stick handling is something that for a while, it was just kind of accepted that a lot of goalies weren't that great. I mean, there was like a Martin Brodeur and maybe one or two others. Like Curtis Joseph was a decent stick handler, but that's because he flipped his stick over. He flipped it all around to make himself shoot righty, even though he was shooting, you know, playing goalie as a righty. So he, he kind of uh, life hacked it going back in the day to Cujo, but there's really not a ton of goalies that are known for their excellent stick handling. Nowadays, there's more of them around. Um, but yeah, so it could just kind of all tie into the same idea. That's awesome. And I, and I could, I could hear you uh, talk about this all day for sure, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, so what we're going to do is we're going to transition to the next segment, the third and final segment. And we're going to talk about, Andrew Brunette's message uh, to the team. So keep it right here on Locked on Panthers, your first listen of the day. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football to basketball, to boxing to hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back to the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. We have here David Dwork from WPLG Local 10. So, David, the last couple of weeks uh, has been 
Andrew Burnett, uh, first first few game few games now um, has taken over as of October 29th. He's had now he's had seven seven ish games, eight games now as the coach. The Florida Panthers are getting used to a new voice in um, this locker room. As somebody who's covered quite a few in season, not not firing because uh, Coach Q resigned, but as far as listening to a new voice, um, what what do you think? What do you think as far as the players getting used to it, and as far as implementing that on the ice? What what do you think that? The, the, what do you think that the players are taking in and uh, and the adjustment for these guys? Well, I, I think that's why you saw the transition to Brunette as opposed to bringing in anybody from the outside because it really made that whole behind-the-scenes element pretty uh, as easy as it could be. I don't want to say it's easy because it's not, but it just, you know, as simple simplifying it as you could. Uh, the most, uh, the strategy that rocked the boat the least you know, it would be what mm. they did because it's not like you say new voice, but it's not really a new voice. He's been in that locker room for the last three years. He's, he's always been a big part of practice. He's been running drills. Um, I'm really practices are almost identical to how they used to be. I mean, there may be some subtlety differences in the way that they do drills and, and things like that. But I mean, in terms of who's speaking on the ice, which coaches are at the whiteboard, which ones are blowing the whistle and uh, instructing players where to go. Um, it's, it's very similar. Uh, so I think that with Brunette, like, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some differences in ideologies, I'm sure. And he's, you know, a generation younger than uh, Joel Quenville was. So it, it's going to be a different perspective in that regard. But he's also, he played a long career in the NHL. He's been working his way up to do this. And I mean, you know, just because the guy retires doesn't mean they get any less competitive. Their work ethic doesn't get go, go anywhere. Um, so I think it was a great decision in terms of you've already got this team in place. They're playing excellent hockey, running these very specific systems that are all about uh, possession, all about pushing the pushing the pace. And uh, we saw how good they could be out of the gate, which is really some of the hardest hot time to play good hockey is the beginning of the season where, you know, you're just kind of getting the legs moving. You're getting everything going. There might be some new players. There might be some new elements uh, later in the season is where you're really going to hit your stride. So to see the peaks that they could reach playing with this roster, with these systems, uh, keeping Andrew Burnett as opposed to bringing in somebody from the outside, I thought it was the right move. I thought, you know, that's what I would have probably done if I was in that situation. Um, and, and yeah, I think the message as far, you know, Brunette's message to the team is basically let's keep moving. Let's keep the train rolling. You know, he, he doesn't want to mess anything up. I, uh, he, he knows he's got a great hand. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to do anything to jeopardize that. Um, so yeah, I think it was a great decision to bring in Brunette. Um, Look, whoever was the coach after a 10-0-1 start, if the team stumbles, is going to get a little bit of uh, flack. Well, you know, even if they still had the same coach in place, you know, whatever moves, oh, you, you got to put Huberto and Barkov in the same line, or what are you doing with Forsling out there? Rabble, rabble, rabble. You know, everybody's going to have something to complain about. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're still at the top of the NHL right now, and mm. they're stacked with talent. Um, it's a good situation to be in. Mm-hmm. And – I see this mostly as growing pains right now for Andrew Burnett right now. And he, he it's, they're going to, they're going to go on, they're going to go on another type of streak that is like, okay, these are the Panthers we know. And you hit on something at the end about the lines for the, for the Panthers um, midway through the second period. Um, the 
lines started to shift uh, for the Panthers, putting Barkoff and Huberto back together, um, shifting Verhage down, Tippett down with uh, Anton Lind- to pair up with uh, Lindell. And I thought originally, I thought originally that it was going to be just that a spark. And then, okay, next game, you next game, you put uh, the regular lines. And if it happens again, you can mix it up. But then we saw in practice just yesterday that they're keeping that uh, together. So I I, I, want to hear what you have to say about the philosophy behind keeping it um, that, that way versus, versus going back to what was working at first, but then hit a little bit of a standstill um, as, as the road trip went on. Yeah. Look, I, I think it just comes down to, you know, that that's hockey, right? I mean, you know, Burnett was asked about it after Monday's practice and he said, look, guys, they want to change it up. They like, you know, they don't want things to get stagnant when you're going through a, a down period, like they were on that road trip. And then you see something you like when you shake things up, why not keep it going? Especially because they're not really out of the funk yet. They're still kind of in that. Oh, two and two, you know, they're not going to get say that they're too bothered by it, but you still want to get some wins. You want to say, okay, you know, got this shit behind us now. Pardon my, 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 I'll put a dollar in the, in the swear jar. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I, I think it's fine. Like, especially like you want to get a spark going. Uh, you want, like you said, you want to get back on another streak. You've got these great assets. Like you can afford to put Huberto and Barkov on the same line and still have a second line that features Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhardt, Carter Verhage. You know, you can throw different guys around there. You got Owen Tippett. You got Frank Vetrano, who's been playing much better. You got Anton Lundell and Etu Usterine. And both of both guys have been playing really solid uh, down the middle for the Panthers. So if you think that moving a little bit around is going to give you a spark, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the last coach had a great feel for it. Coach Q had a great feel for it. Burnett, uh, he's working his way. He said that it, he feels it's a strength of his, that he thinks it's something that he really has his finger on the pulse of the team. Um no reason to think otherwise at this point, but let's see. I'm curious, you know, to your point, let's see how it plays out over the next couple of games. If they go out against the Islanders and, uh, you know, you would expect Barkov and Huberto, like I'm excited to see the two of them together for an entire game. It's been a while. We've seen some, you know, glimpses of their magic in overtime a little bit. I think Brunette maybe uh, has gone to it a few times now we've seen. Uh, now he's sticking with it, it looks like, at least for the time being, which is something that I think uh, Quenville was trying not to lean on as much over the last couple of years. But look, that's, like we were just saying, you know, there's going to be conflicting or different ideologies, different, you know, ways to go about doing things with Brunette than there was with the, with the last head coach, just like there was when Q from, you know, his predecessors and so on. Um, I'm really anxious to see how it plays out because as I said, I'm excited to see Barkov and Huberto play together. Um, it's been great to see Anthony Duclair on that top line. Uh, so to see him around a couple of playmakers instead of just, uh, you know, the Barkov show that we've gotten so accustomed to loving every single game. Um, but I, I just keep going back to the point of these are the tests that you want to see them in. You want to see how they're going to handle these situations and, and doing it now in November, October, December, getting through these growing pains and, you know, feeling your way through these situations. So that way, when you get to April and May, when the games really count, you fall back onto all these things that are happening now and say, Oh, been there, done that. We know we can get through it. Let's, you know, get this train moving. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, for lack of a better answer, I, I just really, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because the players love him. He's in this job. He knows the systems. He knows the team. And I'm confident, you know, from, from what I've seen, I'm confident that the right guy is there right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, it really benefits that 
Barkov and Huberto have just been together for so long, though I'm not I'm not gonna see just a, a season and a half, two seasons of them being in separate lines as something that would break uh, any type of chemistry uh, between the two. I, I don't I just don't see that happening. I mean, it it was almost immediate where where Jonathan Huberto's uh, goal uh, cut the deficit uh, in half. So it's a it's a great situation, uh, definitely, uh, for this uh, Florida Panthers uh, team to be in for sure. No, it's it's cool, man. Uh, they're lucky that they've built this ridiculous stable of talent. You know, when you draft guys like Barkov and Ekblad and Huberto, uh, Spencer Knight, Anton Lindell, uh, then you add pieces of, you know, former top picks like a Reinhardt or a Bennett. You get a, a guy like Mackenzie Weeder, who was like the third from last pick in a draft, and he's a top pairing guy. I mean, you know, the stars are aligning for this team. And mm-hmm. you'd think more like, don't mess it up then it is like go out and do something amazing. Like they, they, they're built to do something amazing. They just have to figure out how to do it and not fall on their face, which is hard because only one team finishing, you know, 32 teams, only one of them wins the Stanley cup. Uh, what's the bar for this Panthers team? I think is the real question that we're going to have to ask ourselves as the season goes on. Cause I feel like up until now, based on, you know, past history, the bar has always been win a playoff round. That, that's the next step. Go win a playoff round. But is that really a high enough bar for this team? I mean, if I would have asked you that, you know, 10 days ago before they started the little losing streak, it would have been, no, no, they got to get, you know, Eastern Conference finals. That's that's. But now after a little struggle, yeah, you know, maybe if they can just get out of the first round. This is a team that's built not only to succeed, but to have a good playoff run. They're deep in goaltending. They're, they can score and they can shut things down. That's basically what you need to do in the playoffs. You got to have a goalie that can stop the puck. You got to be able to stop the other team defensively and you got to be able to get some offense. And yeah, I mean, this is the simplified of hockey, right? But that's really what it comes down to. And they can do all those things quite well. So, you know, as we keep saying, get through these growing pains, get through these bumps in the road, get your shit together, another dollar in the swear jar and get ready for the playoffs. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. So when you see them struggle, just think, okay, these are lessons that they need to learn in order to be better later in the season. And I know I'm, you know, I'm positive guy and I'm a glass half full and I really annoy people sometimes, but at the end of the day, that's what these guys are trying to be. They're trying to be positive and forward moving. And uh, I think they're built for it. Like I'm just, you know, yeah, I, I like the team. I'm a fan of the team growing up down here, but it, you know, I can call a spade a spade. And if it looked bad, I would tell you it looked bad. I think this team is set better than maybe any Panther team in the franchise's existence. So I'm just uh, anxious to watch it play out. Absolutely. And the the terms of the contracts as well of how they're structured to like put um, pieces in when expiring contracts do come about um, some easily tradable contracts as well. uh, That has a lot to do with it as, as well, for sure, for to maintain uh, success for a while um, with this group of this group of Florida Panthers. So, David, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on this episode of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. And for the listeners, uh, plug your stuff, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, all my writing, uh, local10.com or the Local Ten app, uh, the Chirping the Cats podcast. Uh, anywhere you download podcasts, just search for Chirping the Cats. I've had some fun content coming out uh, so far this season and some cool things planned for the coming weeks and months. Um, And then pretty soon uh, on the five reasons sports network, we're going to be launching a weekly YouTube show called odd man rush. That's going to be on uh, Mondays at two o'clock, hopefully launching next week. 
So uh, just a lot of Panthers content. <laughs> and then uh, Twitter at David Dwork is like the one-stop shop for all my stuff. But yeah, just if you like Panther stuff, stick around. Uh, I'm, I'm one of a, the good followers along with yourself and George and Colby and Jameson, all the, all of our great Panther people out there. De- uh, de- definitely. And thank, and thank you uh, so much, so much. Uh, and that, and also the great thing about uh, for the listeners, the great thing about David's show, even if you don't watch it live, you're able to watch it later on as, as they'll be able to uh, definitely get it later. Like when you were on On Sunday Radio, I could never join in live. It was always, oh, podcast later. Boom. Just an hour. And I, I yep. was able to Super always, clutch. Uh, it, it, it was always helpful to still uh, get the get the episodes when needed. But thank you so much again, David, for coming on. Hey, man, anytime, anytime. You're a good dude. Happy to do it. Keep up the great work, man. Thank you. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. And when you're done listening to this episode of Locked On Panthers. Make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Bets. Your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with handicapping expert Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, so follow the Locked On Bets podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez, signing off. And you've been listening to the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your team every day. Oh.